Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. It's awesome to see my friend Quincy back in the house this morning. Baptized in Jesus' name, full of the Holy Ghost last week. Praise the Lord. I gave him a big hug around his neck and I said, well, you're part of the family now. Good to see you back, Quincy. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Praise the Lord. You can be seated this morning. The author and finisher of our faith. And so this morning I want to talk to you a little bit about pioneers and settlers. Pioneers and settlers. This is, this is what I felt that God gave for me in prayer one morning during my morning time prayer. Talking to the Lord about January. Talking to the Lord about 2019. Talking to the Lord about the future of the church and where we're going and all the great things that are happening. And the Lord spoke to me about pioneers and settlers. And I want to share that with you today. You, of course, when I say the terminology, I give you the terminology, pioneers and settlers, you probably think of some guy that looks like Davy Crockett or, or someone with a coonskin cap and leather pouches around their belt and doing that thing. Or maybe you draw an image up of, of uh, wagons and horses and, 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 and a train of cowboys and their families running out to the West. As a matter of fact, a number of years ago, there was a movie made, it was a Hollywood film made, that talked about that very thing, the Oklahoma land grab, if you remember that time. Uh, the expansion is what they call that, the great expansion of the United States. And so that may draw up those, those types of ideas. And those pioneers, they were the ultimate pioneers in my mind. They, they were like some of the missionaries that we have today that go into strange lands and have no idea whatsoever. You have to realize that these folks that were pioneers in this country had absolutely no clue whatsoever what they were going to find beyond the known settlement of that time. But there was something in their spirit. There was something that drove them that said, we've got to go forward. We've got to keep moving. We've got to go find out what this great land is about. What's out there? What are we going to experience? Now, at the same time, we understand that we, we, have, we use the, the terminology interchangeably, pioneers and settlers at the same time, right? They were pioneers, those that came to this country in the first place, beyond the native people that were here already, but the folks that came from Europe and other places, Spain and so forth, had no idea. Was this just going to be a bunch of rocky terrain? Was it going to be a terrible weather place? Was, it, was there anything here? They had no idea. But they had a spirit that drove them. And so when they came here, we then referred to them as the settlers, right? At some point, you stop moving, right? And you settle in. And you build your homestead, begin to build your family and farm your land and so forth, right? But even then, there was a spirit amongst those people that they didn't stop. And the settlers then again became pioneers as they began the expansion of the United States. And so there was something there, something that drove them to know and to want to know. Now, some people stayed. Some people settled and just stayed for, and, and raised their families, and that's okay. But I think in our world, there's something just a little bit different than that. 
There are many pioneers, examples in the word of God. I, I could go down the list of, of great pioneers. If you look, take a look at Abraham. Look what Abraham had to do. He knew, he knew exactly where he stood. He lived in a land called Ur. You know, and, but God calls on him and gives him this great message. And you, of course, you know, I won't teach, preach Abraham today, but essentially he had to be a pioneer. He had to go out. He had to follow what God was giving him and, and find this great message. He was going to be the seed of all of the world, like the sands of the, of the seashores with the number of his children. And so God didn't give him a picture of exactly what, what he was going to encounter. God didn't say, and by the way, when you get there, it's going to be this, this, this. I mean, sometimes, sometimes there was some insight, but for the most part, they didn't. And in a way, even the children of Israel, as they escaped following Moses out of Egypt, were pioneers. They had to go into a strange land. They had to follow Moses. Moses wasn't even very sure of exactly where they were going. They just had a promise of a land of milk and honey. But there was a spirit there that drove them. And today, I believe, as we're entering 2019, and I still, I still can't believe we're entering 2019. There's supposed to be flying cars and, and like aliens walking around. And I, all that stuff. I read comic books as a kid, so I mean, it's just, I'm really disappointed that my car still has wheels and has to travel on the... Still really disappointed that we allow snow, you know, to be here. Uh, but... We've, we're, we're entering into some strange new land. 2019 is going to be a very, very interesting year. It's going to be a very exciting year for abundant life. Out there, <laughs> Lord knows what's going to happen. <laughs> oh my goodness. Those of you who are keeping the know, we just inaugurated a new Congress this past week. I think literally they signed the paper and started filing impeachment paperwork, but whatever, wherever that goes, I ain't going to worry about it. It doesn't have nothing to do with the church. It doesn't have to do with God what's doing, what God's doing. <laughs> but it's, it's going to get crazy. But we're, we're going to be pioneering into a new era, a new time. In case you haven't noticed, if you've been around maybe since the 80s, exponentially technology has continued to just advance and advance and advance and advance and it advances exponentially not just a little bit at a time but we're at a place of knowledge and understanding in the human condition that we're advancing technology and science and, 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 and medicine and all these things exponentially but the world is doing it in the world's way and so therefore you have all the bad things that are coming along with it. We're also exponentially creating new drugs and finding new ways to kill ourselves and new ways to enslave ourselves with things. We have new technologies. Oh, the cell phone is so great. And now we have people that are going to therapy because they're addicted to the thing and it's ruining their relationships. We have social media, it's so wonderful. And people are committing suicide because they've been bullied on social media. Right? And, and so we're... we're we're so smart and we're so advancing and we're moving forward and we're pioneering all of these new things and you hear that all the time. We're pioneering new advancements in social technology. And I just shudder and think, great, who's going to die because of it now? And I don't mean to sound so negative. I, I do enjoy these things and we can do great things with them. The church has a Facebook page. We do wonderful things. We've brought people here from that. I've had people come to our events and come to our service and say, we found you on Facebook. That's not a bad thing. But I think about the settler part of this message, and this is something, and there's really two parts to what I want to talk to you about today, the pioneers and the settlers, and then I want to talk about the next steps for us. But if you look at 
the book of Amos, if you turn there, book of Amos chapter 6. Amos was a prophet, an Old Testament prophet. Amos gave us some warnings. He gave Israel some warnings about settling. Amos chapter 6, starting at verse 1, says this. It says, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion, and trust the mountains of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations, to whom the house of Israel came. Okay. Pass ye unto Selna, and see, from thence go to Hamath the Great, then go down to Gath of the Philistines, be they better than these kingdoms? Or their border greater than your border? Ye that put far away the evil day and cause the seed of violence to come near, that lie upon beds of ivory and stretch themselves upon their couches and eat the lambs out of the flock and the calves out of the midst of the stall, that chant to the sound of the viol and invent themselves instruments of music like David, that drink wine in bowls, and anoint themselves with the chief anointments, but they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. Therefore, now shall they go captive with the first that go captive, and the banquet of them that stretch themselves shall be removed. Now that's a long, complicated passage. There's a lot of words in there. There's a lot of things that are very challenging to understand. But what I want you to understand from this passage from Avis, he was giving a warning to the people of Israel. When he said, woe to them that are in ease in Zion, he was talking about those that were settled. They became lazy. They weren't seeking God anymore. And those that trust in the mountain of Samaria, see, they felt like they had it all together. This is where, this is where they felt they were, they were covered. They were, they, in their eyes and in their sight, they were safe and everything was good. God had provided them all of this. But then it goes on, it says, you put, a, you put far away the evil day. And what that simply means is, is they're, just, they're not thinking about the circumstances of their actions. They're not think, they see, the conscience is gone. They've, they've become lazy and complacent. They're not seeking what God's got for them. They have settled. And it says, and they caused the seed of violence to come near. Conflict. Challenges, things that happen when you're not moving forward, the internal frustration that lie upon the beds of ivory and stretch themselves upon their couches. Beds of ivory and stretch, they're laying around. They've settled. And Amos is warning them. They eat the lambs out of the flock and the calves out of the midst of the stall. They would literally not wait See, it was very important for those lambs to grow. They would provide wool, and they would provide milk, and they would provide all other lambs. And, and, and so they really were meant, these lambs and the flocks of Israel were meant to grow and, and produce and increase the flocks. Well, they were so lazy, and they wanted the choicest meats, and they had settled to the point where they felt they were entitled to go take these lambs and eat them. And the calves of the midst of the stock were the ones they would go and pick the choicest calves, the fattest ones, and butcher them. Again, a calf would be eventually be a cow producing milk and other cows. But this is where Israel had gotten to. It says that chant to the sound of the viol and invent themselves instruments. I love that line. Invent themselves instruments. Boy, are we inventing ourselves instruments of entertainment. Are there about 23 different thousand ways you can stream a movie or watch a television show? I've literally been on the road in my job driving around 
doing things in the ministry and been out there and seen people driving down the road with their cell phone propped on the top of their steering wheel watching a movie while they're driving. Hundreds of ways to pipe in all of this, this music and stuff that the world pumps out. Invent themselves instruments of music like David. They drink wine in bowls. It wasn't good enough just to have a small glass. You know, wine typically was, even then, was, was taken in small doses and in small glasses. It says they, they, were so, they were so fat and lazy and complacent and entitled that they were literally just slopping it out of bowls. And anoint themselves with the chief anointments, but they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. So they even had to worship their own bodies and then get the chiefest of the anointments, the greatest, the most expensive oils, things that were, were dearly purchased and, and, and come from far lands, cost a lot of money, and they would perfume themselves so they could smell wonderful and love themselves all that much more. Therefore, now shall they go captive with the first that go captive, and the banquet of them that stretch themselves shall be removed. Amos was talking about settlers. He was warning settlers, you've stopped, you've turned away from God, you've gotten comfortable. It's about complacency. Folks, and I think as we're entering into 2019 and, and so many of you are already so much involved in the works that we're doing moving forward, already seeing the exciting things that God is doing in our church and, and the things that God is doing in our district and so forth. But I think God just wants to get a hold of us and say, just be warned, just be careful. Be careful that we don't settle. Be careful that complacency hasn't set in. This is not for us. We are sojourners in this life and in this land. We are not meant to stay here. You see, we've got a greater promise that's ahead of us, but we've got work to do. We've got important work to do, and if we become complacent, if we start sipping our wine out of bowls instead of cups, we start getting a little entitled, we're going to be in danger. And I think God is saying that I don't want you to be a settler. I want you to be a pioneer. I want you to reach out to what's coming ahead. You've heard me say many times, it's been a theme I've had. If you remember in old Israel when it was time for God to move the camp, remember by night he would have a pillar of fire that was the guide that the Israelites had, and by day he would have the pillar of cloud. And when it was time, when, they, when God just said, when it was his time, you know what, they've been settled here a little too long. They've been sitting here for a little too while. They're starting to get a little bit into violence and they're starting to get a little lazy. Those pillars would suddenly be moved on down. And Israel had to pack up the camp, fold up the tents, and pioneer their way on to the next place. And I believe that God is talking to us today. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 12 says this, and it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their lees, that say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. Folks, we live in a country right now. This very day, people are saying to themselves, everything is okay. God, God's a God of love. He's all right with that. You want to find a way to get saved however it feels good for you, however that makes sense for you. God's not, he's not going to do really anything about that, but he won't do anything negative either. It's all okay with God. That's exactly what Zephaniah was warning Israel. 
People were resting on their leaves. You've heard that, that, that uh, phrase, resting on your laurels. Well, leaves has to do with winemaking, and they would put wine inside these barrels or these containers, I should say, and they would set them on what they call leaves. And the leaves would, it was just a basically, a, as I understand, it was a, like a shelf or some sort of a place they would set them to protect them so they wouldn't fall. And they would let the wine sit there and they would let it ferment a little bit. Let it sort of age a little, add a little bit of the flavor, get the taste. I'm not saying it was going to complete alcohol, but it would, they would rest the wine on the leaves and it would just age. And sometimes if they let it there too long, it would spoil. Okay? And so Zephaniah is saying, don't, don't rest on your leaves. Don't sit there and wait for yourself to spoil. You better get something going because God is looking for you in the city of Jerusalem with candles. And he's going to punish. It doesn't say he's just going to be, well, I guess you're not in the game. I'll go work with somebody else. I'll go find Rick Kiley and he'll do some work for me. It doesn't say that. It says he will punish the men that rest on their lees. Brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm, just, I'm reaching out to you today to inspire you, to challenge you, to look into yourself and say, have I settled with what I've got? Has somebody in this room determined for themselves that whatever challenge that you're going through in life, whatever you're dealing with in your personal situation, well, it's been going on for a long time, so it's just going to be that way. I'm just always going to struggle with money. I'm just always going to struggle with this particular sin or with my walk with God. Has anybody in this room said that to themselves at some point or another, I'm just going to deal with this, this is how it's always going to be? Because my challenge to you is that if that's the case, then you've settled. And God is saying, no, don't settle for that. For God's sake, you're a child of the king. You're a prince in the kingdom. You're his child. You're his son and his daughter. And in his kingdom, there is no place for someone to say, well, this is just how life is always going to be. I'm just settled. I believe that's what he's saying to us today. I've been there. I'm confessing to you. I've been there. I've been in that place several times in my life where I said, well, I guess this is just how it's always going to be. Shame on me. Because so many times God has brought me through that situation. So many times God has taken us to that new place, that new level, and said, no, I've got something greater for you. Folks, I'm telling you today, right now, if you've said into your mind, this is all we're ever going to be, this is all I'm ever going to achieve in life, I just can't be that good, then I'm telling you, you've settled. But you don't have to settle. God is saying, no, I've got something greater for you. You can overcome this. You can be greater than this because you're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter and you can't achieve. I've been in that place. I've been in that place where I've said, I don't have the talent. I used to look at pastors like Brother Kylie and, and Brother Tamil who baptized me and some of these great ministers. Oh, I'd never be like that. God's never going to use me. I made too many mistakes as a young man. I had a conversation. We were at the, we were at the installation services yesterday for Brother Brandon Ball over in, in Waukesha, a true Life Church, sitting at a table having a conversation with, with some pastors. One of them said, so when did you get your license? I said, <coughs> 45. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. So, and, uh, and everybody went, oh. <laughs> I said, yeah, I was, I was sitting in the lobby at that hotel where the board was meeting and watching all these 12-year-old and 13-year-old couples walk by. And here's my wife and I sitting there. Time, our turn to go in. I was not the, I'm, I'm not the typical uh, 
licensee, I guess you could say. But God had a different path for me. He used me in a different way. And I, I said to the, to the brother I was talking to, I said, well, I was a lay minister for a lot of years. But I, but I had that mentality at a point, there's many points that I had settled and said, I'm just not going to beat this. This is just what my lot in life is. Anybody ever hear that phrase? Well, I guess that's my lot in life. I'm just always going to struggle with this sin. That's my lot in life. Guess where that phrase came from? Anybody know? Anyone in the Bible? Maybe. Let's talk about one of the worst settlers of all. Lot was a settler. Abraham's nephew. Now Abraham's traveling because he's the pioneer, right? He had to go out and pioneer this new work that God had for him. And so they come to the land near Sodom and Gomorrah, right? The plains. And so Abraham figures out what's going on. That's a bad place. This is a bad city. But see, Lot had lived there and got used to it. He settled. And I'm not going to get into the whole story of Lot, but I'd love for you to go back and read it today and get a hold of what it was for Lot to settle because terrible, awful things were going on in the city of Sodom. And Abraham urged Lot, get away from there, get away from there. But see, he was so stuck in a lifestyle that he liked. He was so stuck in what he was used to, what he was comfortable with, what he knew. And therefore, he settled. It destroyed his wife. It caused heinous sin with his two daughters. The Moabites were born out of that sin. And I'm going to talk about Moab in just a moment. But he settled. Because he was used to it. Because that's all he thought he could do. He saw what was going on with Abraham. He heard Abraham's preaching and speaking to him. But he got comfortable. He liked it. He was riding the fence. He had settled. Because I don't believe that he thought that he could be like Abraham. I believe that he looked at Abraham and said, well, I'm never going to be used of God like that. It didn't end up destroying his, his wife. Now, out of that sin and out of Moab, you know, came Ruth, the Moab, who's also, by the way, the great ancestor of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So God even took something bad there and pioneered something brand new and something very important. Philippians chapter 4 and 13 says that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Why is it that we decide that we get to a place in life and we just decide this is all that I can do? This is all I'm capable of. I'm just going to settle. This is what I'm familiar with. This is what I'm comfortable with. And I'm just going to settle in that. Why do we do that? If you're older, saint of God and abundant life, if you're older, older than me, and you've said to yourself, well, I've been there and I've done that and I, 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 this is all I can do. I'm going to challenge you today. You're wrong. If you've got years under your belt in the church, You've seen far more than the majority of the people that are sitting in this room right now. You have more to give, more anointing, more power, and more wisdom than you can imagine if you just get a hold of getting plugged back into what God's getting for you and be a pioneer in what he's got coming up. You could sweep this place with unbelievable power. Well, Brother Cordell, this is just comfortable for me. This is what I like. I'm stretched out on that couch of ivory. Be careful. Be careful in saying that this is all I have to give. Because is it really what you feel you're constrained with? Or is it maybe 
what you've just decided you're comfortable with. Now I want to tell you, Brother Cordell has gone through this process many times and I have had to challenge myself, repent, and challenge myself to look further and take that step further. Stop being comfortable, stop being complacent, stop being just happy where I'm at, stop stretching out on the couch of ivory and get a hold of God and do something new. I want to talk about a pioneer in this room, our senior pastor, Brother Kylie. 1978 comes out in Pioneers. There was no church in Oconomowoc. There was no church out. There was no United Pentecostal church out here. Pioneers of church starts out at a storefront. Did he settle? And from there, Pioneers, the church at Oakwood, grows even more. Stretches himself, seeks a new place. Isaiah 54 says, stretch your tents. Stretch yourself out a little bit. Find a new way. I'll read the scripture for you. It says it right here. Enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not. Lengthen the cords and strengthen thy stakes for thou shalt break forth on the right and hand and on the left hand and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Oconomowoc was a desolate city when it comes to the presence of God and we had a pioneer that came out and said, nope, family, we're gonna stretch our tents. We're gonna stretch ourselves out. We're gonna expand. And so Oakwood was born. I was at Oakwood. I remember years ago, I was in many services there. Watch out for that, it jumps up at you. I was there many times. Did he settle? No. He stretched himself a little bit further. And I believe in 2005, this building was, met, was built here. And I, I won't get into the whole story of that. You can find that out. 68 years old just a couple weeks ago, right, Brother Kylie? 68 years old. Do you think he's settled? Is he stopping what he's doing? No, 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 no. My pastor is pioneering. At 68 years old, still pioneering, finding new ways to reach this community, reaching out to expand our shores. He didn't stop in 2005, and in, in 2000, and, in, uh, uh, excuse me, in 2005, expanded this building. I said 2005, this was 95, and in 2005, expanded even further. Still teaching Bible study, still seeking out. Pioneered our Jonathan project. Right now, just established the Joshua Men project. He's pioneering. He's still seeking within himself something new that he can do for God. How can I reach him? I'm going to tell you what. Our bishop is going to be powerful. He is going to be amazing. He's reaching out to these young home missions guys. He's talking to our pastors in the district. He's working with the young ministers in this church. He is using that wisdom. He has not settled out on his couch. He's not sitting there saying, I've done my job. By 40 years in, I'm out. He's still pioneering to this day. You want to know what a brave pioneer he is? He's getting ready to turn his pulpit over to this crazy goofball that got licensed at 45 in a few months. But he's not done there. He's going to be our bishop. And he's going to keep on pioneering. And he's going to keep on looking for what God's got for him. He's, there's no moss growing on him. There's no, there's no sand growing under this guy. He's going to keep on pioneering. He's our example. And I'm telling you today, if you've been in this church for a year, 10 years, 15 years, 40 years, there is no place to settle. We cannot settle. 
1 Timothy 6 and 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. That simply just says, just keep on fighting. Just keep on fighting. If you're struggling with what to do in your next steps, if you're not sure where ministry's taking you, get on your hands and knees. I'm going to talk just a minute about that next step. But you've got to find that way. You've got, if you're not going, you're not growing, you're dying. That's actually scripture. It literally says it in the word of God that if you are not moving forward, if you are not growing, you are dying. Business uses that phraseology all the time, right, Brother Dretzka? It's something you hear in the business world all the time. Moving on. I never settled. As a young man, my call started at about the age of 16. I'm nobody. I have no pedigree in Pentecost. I have no parents, or excuse me, I have no grandparents, nobody that was in Pentecost. I have a very Christian grandmother. My mom was basically found by Sister Runs, the lady that used to secretary here, just at work. She did what she was supposed to do. Now there's a lady who's pioneering. She's in her mid-70s. She's down in North Carolina teaching Bible studies, finding new ways to get out to people in senior homes. She's pioneering every day, always looking for new ways to get the word out to people, looking for what God... She prays every day, God, what is it that you would have me to do that's new? What new can I do for you? She talks about it all the time. But I have no pedigree. I have, I have nothing. I just, we just came in because somebody took the time to say, hey, have you met Jesus Christ? But early on in that call, I never settled. I just couldn't find a way to just be comfortable on a pew. When I came here in 1999, Brother Kai says, well, you, I need to have you sit down just for a little while, get your feet on the ground. And I sat there going, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? I can't sit. I can't settle. I can't just stop because if I, I feel like if I do, I'm going to die spiritually. I gotta find something to do. And so the first thing he did, he said, well, I need some help in the hospitality group. And then he said, hey, do you wanna learn how to teach Bible studies? And he coached me in teaching Bible studies. And he said, hey, I need some help in the Bible study ministry and so on and so on. And my wife and I were youth pastors for a long time. Never settled, never settled, always looking, God, what can I do to affect people? What can I do to help people be saved? There was a desire put in me by great men and women of God that said, don't settle. Don't just set on whatever it is you think you are. I thought I was worthless. I thought I had nothing to give to God. But I still wanted to desperately. I wanted to be effective for God because this thing is real. And the word says he's going to punish people who settle. And so I strived and can continue to strive to learn. Even when I never thought God would use me. Brother Kylie's testimony today, you got to hear it. When he was wanting to be used, God just, just like this gave him the opportunity. I remember when, as I was praying about this morning, a story came to my mind, a young man named DJ. Mitchell, remember this. We were youth pastors at the time, and a young lady in the youth group had a boyfriend from the outside, and he'd come walking into church one night with special events going on, and Everybody's in the church already, praise and worshiping, music was going on, and he's standing out there, and I'm greeting all the young people as they're coming in and going back to our youth center, and, and uh, this young guy comes in, and real scruffy looking, beard, mustache, messed up hair, crazy clothes, piercings everywhere, tattoos, all that kind of stuff, right? Now, some people, some places, and some churches would look at that and say, oh, we don't, we don't want that kind of thing in here. And I'll just say this, if I can caveat this right away. This church, by the way, 
is absolutely, and I brag about you to pastors and ministers that I know all the time, this is a church that I have never, ever, ever seen turn any kind of a visitor away, not love every single person that's ever walked in that door. And that culture was created by your pioneer bishop because he said, that's the way that we're gonna be. Oh, we've got a great work to work with here. We've got a great work that's been established here for 40 years, and it's founded and based on a foundation of loving every single person who walks through those doors. So this young man walks in, and I greeted him, and he said, my name's DJ. And I said, hey, DJ, it's great to meet you. How are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm doing good. And he looks over at the sanctuary doors, and he goes, oh, I'm not into all that stuff, though. That's, I'm a child of Satan. That's what he said. Upside down crosses hanging in his ears, all this. I'm a child of Satan. I don't get into all that stuff. I'm like, okay, well, why don't you come on into the youth center and let's, let's have some fun. <laughs> and I just, I thought that was a really interesting way to put that. Uh, but over time, we, would, we kept coming back. He kept coming back with the young lady in the youth group. But I'm here to tell you today that there was a service one night. And God said, go pray for DJ. And he came into the sanctuary. He was there. And we began to pray for DJ, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. With the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And I watched that young man just weep and weep and weep because of the pains and the hurts. He had terrible parents, terrible family, and wept and wept and wept. And I said, DJ, do you want to get baptized? Yep, I want to get baptized. We took him over to the tank and we baptized him in Jesus' name. The next Sunday, the next Sunday, we're standing at church and here come this young man. He'd gone out to Goodwill, that's all he could afford. He bought a suit that was about three sizes too large for him. But he had his Barney Miller tie on and he had his suit, shaven, combed hair, piercings gone, everything. Beaming from ear to ear. But the best part for me was this. God said, this is how I'm going to use you. And then that was it for me. And Sister Cordell and I have been involved in youth ministry for a long, long time because of that. And we've seen many young people filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. Because we just decided in our lives we weren't going to settle. We weren't going to stop. We weren't going to say, this is all that life has got for us. This is our lot in life. We were not going to agree to that. And to this day, I still won't agree to that. And there are going to be more challenges that come for me and for you. There are going to be things that are tougher. But folks, I'm telling you, if you get a hold and you're willing to pioneer and you're willing to get out there and say, what else can I do? Pastor, what can I do to serve in the kingdom? What can I do to please God? How can I find his will in my life? You'll find those blessings and those amazing things. I could die tomorrow knowing that God has used me in just a little way to see somebody else find him. So as we're entering into this new era, going back to 2019 now, we're entering into a time of consecration. I teased this a little bit last week. I talked about King Jehoshaphat. If you want to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Now I'm going to highlight through this. It's a very long passage, so I won't hit all of that. If 
Folks, I'm just here to tell you that there's, there's a formula to these things. There's ways that God works. We get a long, long way on just praise and worship, showing up at church, giving. We'll get a long, long way down the road that way. But I'm here to tell you today that in the course of your walk, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, you are going to face an enemy. You're going to face challenges in life that you just do not know how to face. And there's one way the Bible will tell us there are just some things that you cannot defeat without prayer and fasting. King Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, however you want to say that, Jacob, sorry. King Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. And he was a good king. And Jehoshaphat had previously fought the armies of Moab. Okay? Moab was the daughter of, of Lot through their incestuous relationship. And, and Moab, settled, Moab had grown up and settled in, in Canaan and was a bad dude. It was, he was the product of sin. He was a bad guy. And uh, Jehoshaphat, Israel, had to face and fight Moab and has defeated them. He also defeated the, the people of Ammon. He knew these enemies. He's defeated them before. How many of you face off some enemies week to week that you're pretty familiar with and you see all the time? You think, okay, I know how to get this. I'm going to God. I'm going to pray, right? We've got some enemies that come at us all the time. You know, I said many times from this pulpit, the devil's stupid. He doesn't have any new tricks. He doesn't do anything different. He just doesn't figure out that he's not going to beat the child of the king. So he comes back at us time and time and time again thinking, well, this time I'm going to do it. This time I'm going to beat him. But we know how to face those enemies. We know how to beat those enemies. That temptation that comes around that used to get you many years ago, you, you know what I'm talking about. We know how to beat that enemy. But Jehoshaphat was about to face someone that he had, did not know before. In the beginning of the scripture there in 2 Chronicles 20, it talks about the others he refers to them to. And later on, we find out that there are people of, the, of what they call Mount Seir. And the first part of the verse there says, of Moab and the children of Ammon, with them, other besides the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord, and what does it say right after that? And proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Jehoshaphat knew the principle that a fast, ceasing from eating, humility, humbling yourself before God, sacrificing the flesh to pray to God purely was a way to get things done when you don't know what to do. He didn't know this enemy. The Bible later describes these. You can go into the etymology and you can see that the Bible describes these, these people from Mount Seir, these others, as the shaggy, hairy ones. There's some crazy, scary people, Bigfoot people or something. I don't know. If you go down to verse 10, it says, And now behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade, when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. And so, 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 uh, Jehoshaphat's talking to God. He said, you had a chance to take these guys out, but you haven't. Why? Well, we know why. We know that God is allowing Jehoshaphat to experience something he hasn't experienced before to cause him to have to go to God in prayer and sacrifice and in fasting. Verse 12 says, for we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. How many of you families have been in that place where you stood with your wife and your children facing a terrible situation, going, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to tackle this. I, I got no answers. 
My wife would have been there, and I have been there several times. What do we do? The only answer was to go to God. That's all we had. And sometimes God wants you to be there. He wants you to be in a place where you don't have the answer. You can't devise the solution. He wants you to take your pride out of it. He wants you to take your settlement out of it. And he wants you to go to him in desperation. That's what was happening to Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was bold. He he knew he could beat the Moabites. He knew he could beat the Ammonites. But he didn't know these shaggy, hairy guys. Verse 18 says, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the the Lord, worshiping the Lord. 21 says, And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, that he should praise the beauty of his holiness. And they went out before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Now listen to verse 22. It says, And when they began to sing and to praise... The Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. God is telling you that if you're willing to sacrifice, if you're willing to get on your hands and knees and fast and pray for the enemies coming against you, you don't even have to fight the battle. They stood and they sung praises to God. Now, I know that's hard. You're, you're facing something terrible. We faced what we thought was cancer in our family. We faced complete financial destruction. We faced these things. And it's hard to stand there while, while they're telling you, file bankruptcy and your daughter's going to die and all these other things and go, hey, praise the Lord. It's difficult to do that, folks. But I'm telling you what, if you believe in the God of Israel, the God that saves us, then you know you can do that and stand before him and say, yes, I'm going to praise the Lord. We had an attorney that was telling us, curse God and die. Just go file bankruptcy. Just be done with the whole thing. I said, I can't do that. I serve God. It's wrong. I can't steal from these places. I believe he's going to bring us through. But you've got to do it, sir. You've got to, you've got to file bankruptcy. You're going to go into this terrible thing. We were in the middle of a lawsuit. And it's going nowhere. We were standing before a black wall. We had no idea what was going to happen in our lives. And all these people around us, sue this one, sue that one, file bankruptcy. No. No, in my heart of hearts, I knew that it was the wrong thing to do. So we went to our knees and we prayed. And I'm here to tell you that everything that we lost in that situation, every ounce of that lawsuit, all of those problems that came against us, God took it all out. We didn't even have to fight the fight. And when we got done with it, everything we paid out to the attorneys, all the money that we lost was given right back to us. We were made 100% whole because that's the God we serve. He knew where we were and we didn't have to fight the fight. This month of fasting and prayer and consecration isn't just a symbolic thing that we do every year. Folks, I'm telling you, there are things in your lives. There are things that God wants to do in your life this year. There are things that you're going to come against that you don't even know about in 2019. But if you take some time this month and you fast and you pray and you say, God, where are you taking me this year? What are you preparing for me this year? What are you telling me to do? I don't want to settle. I want to pioneer. I'm telling you, he's going to prepare you for the battle and you're going to be victorious. You're going to see a DJ saved. You're going to see some person in your family you've been desperately praying for come to this altar and repent and be baptized in Jesus name verse 24 says and when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness they looked unto the multitude and behold they were dead bodies fallen to the earth and none escaped and when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them they found among them in the abundance both riches and with the dead bodies and precious jewels which they stripped off for themselves, 
more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. God sent the angels ahead of Jehoshaphat's army and destroyed all of them. It says in there, if you go back in the scripture, the Moabites and the Ammonites actually ganged up on the creatures from Mount Seir. And then it says right after that, then they started killing each other. That's what God did for Jehoshaphat and the armies of Israel. I'm going to wrap up with this. I said last week we talk a lot about one of our favorite scriptures in Joel chapter 2. We talk about that prophecy in 2 and 28 when it says that in the last days my spirit is going to be poured out on all men. We get pretty excited about that. That's awesome. We're Pentecost. We see the, we see the spirit of God falling. We go, oh yeah, that's right. This is the last days. Oh, we see the spirit pouring out on all men. Our handmaids and our people, we see it all the time, right? Because later on in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2 and 16, that's that famous verse, our North American Youth Congress, two years ago, it was the theme, this is that, this is that, which was prophesied by the prophet Joel, that in, my, in the last days, my spirit will be poured out upon all men, all these great things, there's going to be a great revival. Folks, your hands are going to lay on the people who are going to be receiving the Holy Ghost. You are going to be missionaries, you are going to be ministers in this house that are going to see people saved because of that prophecy. But I want to tell you, if you go back into the book of Joel, you go back earlier, later in verse, uh, chapter 1, and earlier in chapter 2, it says, they proclaimed a consecration and a fast. Great things happen when we sacrifice and we fast and we pray. Those are sometimes the only ways these things get done. You're going to face enemies you can't beat down any other way. You're going to have things happen in your life you can't make happen any other way. Unless you take the time to sacrifice and pray and fast. And then God's going to do awesome things. Stand with me this morning. We were not determined to lose. We were not determined to struggle and give up. Brother Cordell, I struggle all the time. I have financial challenges. I have problems. Fast and pray. Well, I'm facing a health issue. I've got some real serious issues. I'm really worried. They told me my daughter had ovarian cancer. We fasted and we prayed. No cancer. They told us to file bankruptcy. You're go it's all gone, everything. House, money, everything. Your future is gone. No bankruptcy. No failure. Total restoration. Because of sacrifice and prayer and fasting. God does not want you to be settlers. Do not say in your mind, this is all I can do. This is all I'm capable of. This is the only thing that God's going to use me for. Do not say that. He wants us to be pioneers. He wants us to believe in him. He wants us to stretch, as it says in Isaiah 54, stretch and expand our tents. It, family, it's not an option. If I'm not getting that part nailed down real well, you have to understand this isn't a choice. It's not an option. The prophet Zephaniah said, he will punish those who rest on their lees. It is time for abundant life to wake up like never before. You have everything that you need, wonderful hearts, wonderful spirits. I watch you embrace our visitors. I watch you pray for young men that come in and young ladies that come in, people that are desperate, you have everything you need. 
You're a wonderful family that loves people, huge hearts, generous givers. But you can't rest on your lees. You've got to desperately seek God for what he's got for you. And then in fasting and in prayer, he will make you victorious. Jesus, we're so thankful, God, for your word. We're thankful, God, for the rock-solid, stone-carved, marble, granite promises that you put in your word. Lord, we're so thankful for the promise that us, very small, worthless, failing people that, that I am myself, that can actually be used by you and your kingdom simply because you're that gracious, God. Simply because you're that wonderful, Jesus. Simply because you're willing to let us be used by you. What a privilege, what an honor, God, to stand in your house. Lord, help us to get off of our couches. Help us to put the bowls down. Help us to set aside our flesh. Help us to stop settling and deciding in our minds that we're worthless or incapable or that we don't have the ability. Help us to beat and defeat all of those things that the enemy tells us today, God. Help us to be desperate, Lord, to see this community reached and saved. Make us ministers like never before in 2019, Jesus, as we fast and we pray this month. Oh, God, make us mighty warriors, mighty ministers in your kingdom, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, this altar is open this morning. I pray this morning that you've heard this word, that God has spoken to your heart this morning, and that you make your way down here saying these words, God, use me in your kingdom. God, Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.